Welcome back, everybody, to the new sports order. East Sterling Pingree. I'm Tom Corbett. It is Wednesday night as we record most every week. And I got the Celtics on in the background, hoping that they could actually hold on to a double-digit lead this week. Fingers crossed. I got a word when they got up 14. And they're playing the Trailblazers, a little context. And yeah, they, they got a 14 points. So I go, yeah, I feel like I've watched this exact game uh, three times in the last week. Yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. So Dame Lillard's going to hit six threes in the third quarter <laughs> and we'll go into the fourth down four. It's like, who's missing a free throw tonight? Oh, Grant. They're so cynical. Oh, Grant. I, do, I like Grant Williams. Made it worse that and he admitted that he told Donovan Mitchell, like, yeah, I'm making these. Don't worry about it. Which, like, you want to have that confidence, but at the same time, it's like the the second part of that is you then have to make them. Yeah. You're, you're not the good goat when that happens. You're just no. a goat in the bad sense. What a uh, transformation the term goat has taken. I mean, that was... That was bad. Long time. Yeah. God. And now it's it, and now it's not even used properly. It's kind of the it was yeah. It's not even used as the acronym anymore. I mean, it was it was Ali. Now it's Brady. And now I mean, it's, it's just kids on like TikTok. Really, well, they just say, "Oh, it's a really good quarterback." Now I, I think Rich Eisen referred to Aaron Rodgers as a goat. Yeah, there's, they're, they're, there's multiple in the herd. <laughs> What is a herd of goats? Yeah, I heard someone use it in the sense of, oh, yeah, he got goaded. Like being knighted, I think. Are you sure sure it wasn't goaded with a D? No, no, I'm positive. They used it as if like the term, oh, he was knighted. He was goaded. I don't even want to know who they're referring to, but I I think, yeah, if, if anyone's using that phrase, they have no idea what goad means. I so, think it was like a short video from like a TikTok or something. So yeah, it was someone like twenty three. So consider the source. Yeah. Uh, an interesting couple days in the NFL as the franchise tag deadline led to some interesting occurrences. Uh. The big one, obviously, being Lamar, and we'll get to that in a second. And I think the other one that seems to have caused the most talking points is Daniel Jones, and I texted you this yesterday. A lot of people very surprised at the amount of money that the Giants guaranteed and gave to Daniel Jones, subsequently then leading to Saquon getting franchise tagged. And I will say I'm obviously a Cowboys fan, so I go into it with a negative bias against the Giants. But And don't get me wrong, Daniel Jones had a good season, very good season. Giants were, you know, much better than anyone thought they were going to be. But you can't tell me at the end of the year, you're like, yep, 
Daniel Jones proved it. He proved he needs that big contract. And it just goes back, obviously, and we talked about this, I don't know how many times throughout the season, the fact that the Giants had so little faith that they didn't pick up the fifth-year option. That goes to show you that nobody saw this coming because the Giants, obviously, if they thought that they were going to get 60% of what they got out of Daniel Jones this year, they would have picked up that option. Uh, sort of the same with the, the the Raiders and Josh Jacobs. If they had yeah. any idea that he was about to rush for 1,600 yards and lead the league in rushing, they would have exercised a fifth-year option on him too. Um, neither do. Now they're both in the market. Daniel Jones comes off it. Um, do you do you know what his stats were this year? Touchdowns to interceptions. I don't off the top of my head. I'm not prepared. Fifteen touchdowns, five picks. Now that's I mean not a bad ratio to throw three times as many touchdowns as interceptions. But as good as the Giants were this year, and, and it's it's on a curve to, until the point is that they made the playoffs and won a playoff game on the road. Um, we talked last week about the establishing the middle class of quarterbacks. And it's funny since I, I heard that, that phrase last week, it's been brought up in various forms ever since you know, the signing of Geno Smith, uh, the signing of Derek Carr, you know, and, and you know, Geno Smith gets 35 million a season, but it's only for three years. So I wasn't shocked with the Daniel Jones money because those kind of there have been grumblings that he was going to get a contract and the annual salary is going to start with a four. So in my mind, you know, the scale kind of started at 40. If he got 45, it was going to seem high. If he got anything north of that, then we were talking monopoly money, which we probably are anyway. We're just now conditioned that he's probably going to give $40 million because that's where we are with quarterbacks now. I mean, that that's what will lead us into the Lamar Jackson discussion in a little bit. But so I wasn't shocked at the annual. I think what, in my mind, kind of normalized it was that it's only four years. And I think the guaranteed money is like half, and I think it's all the first two years. So I'm going to imagine there's going to be a little more flexibility because people are looking at this and like, okay, the Giants are insane. They've just you know committed $40 million a year to Daniel Jones, and now they can't afford to put anything else around him. I don't necessarily know that that's going to be the case, but it's only four years. And if the guaranteed money's all up in the first two, then it's not as tethering as it seems on paper. So as we look at the establishment of this quarterbacking middle class, it's Geno Smith for three years. It's Carr got four and Daniel Jones gets four. So, you're still going to get paid if you're at all a capable NFL quarterback annually, but don't go looking for that seven or eight or you know nine year contract. That yeah. that seems to be where the owners are starting to, and and we'll get more into what, what the owners I think are trying to do to the quarterback market when we talk about Lamar Jackson. But that's sort of the line they're trying to draw in the sand. <laughs> they they may be they may be cahooting. Uh, yeah, I was just. And I was almost more surprised that, and I guess obviously it's very indicative of the league and what it is, and it's a quarterback league. But if I was a Giants fan and you said, hey, you could either have, you know, 
Saquon locked up at a decent deal for three or four years, or Daniel Jones and the other will get franchise tagged, I think I would lean towards Saquon. And obviously, he's had an injury history that hasn't been great. Call it what you will, but he was back this year, pretty much all year, and he was the cog, I thought, in that offense. And yes, Daniel Jones got a lot done with his legs running. He's a good runner. But so much of that was because every time he dropped back, Saquon was moving out into the flats, sending one or two guys that way, which opens up a lot of space. He was rushing the ball well. I think he was just, he's a more prolific game changer than Daniel Jones. The the tough thing that the Giants have going for him, I mean, and it's, it's for where you look at where they are, their production is so built around the running game and the running game as it flows through Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. You know, we, we talked about the touchdowns and interceptions of Daniel Jones. Saquon Barkley rushes for, for 10. Uh, you know, as, as a receiver, I mean, he's, he's not really receiving back, so that's where that kind of goes. What You know what it reminds me of is the first year uh, of the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram. You know, at that point, Mark Ingram was sort of on his way out of the league. He was a veteran running back. He was a talented running back, but, you know, who knew how much was sort of left in that tank? And then he goes to Baltimore. He's teamed with Lamar, Greg Roman's offense, very run heavy, kind of an option style. And suddenly, you know, Lamar Jackson's an MVP. Mark Ingram looks like one of the top or most viable running backs in the NFL. Um, And it turns out uh, they were right. When Mark Ingram left, that offense really has never been the same since. But the Giants are in a really tough spot because they're in a position where they don't have enough talent not to pay for the career years that they just saw out of the two most important positions in their offense. They don't have receivers. They don't have a, a marquee tight end. Their offensive line is a work in progress, which they've been trying to build in the last couple of years uh, after the exit of GM Dave Gettleman. They have Saquon Barkley and they have Daniel Jones, and they both just had career years and contract years. And as we see, most of these teams go, you know what? We're going to blow it up. We're going to rebuild. The Giants are going, can we patch this together, add a little garnish on the outside and get back to the playoffs next year? Maybe they can, but. You're not really you're you're cracking a window. You're not really opening the window, and you can't really go that far once you get outside the window. You can kind of lay on the sill a little bit, but that's what the Giants are doing. And if they think they can continue to just take what they have and make it better without making a whole bunch of additions, this is really the way to do it. But um, yeah, it God, it's hard because that's the other thing teams aren't doing. Mm-hmm. They're not extending running backs. Right. That is the, we'll find another one. I mean, look at, you know, Dallas was never looking. They end up with Tony Pollard, who could be better than Zeke at this point, depending on, you know, what you're looking for. But, and I was just, that rookie year for Saquon was unbelievable. I was just looking at it. 1,300 yards rushing, 11 touchdowns, 91 catches for 721 and four touches. 
Well, it's funny. I looked it up too because in my head, as you said, he's had injuries, and you know, I'm like, yeah, because that's why I really didn't buy into the production this year. Now he's coming off two years where he didn't have much production. He only played two games in 2020. Uh, but I mean, he played 13 games in 2021 for the Giants. He mm-hmm. still, I mean, he only rushed for just under 600 yards. So he was battered. I think he. It's sort of yeah. misleading when they say, "Oh, he started." And it's like, "Well, oh, yeah, right. they leave." One hundred and thirty second, second quarter. Yeah, one hundred and thirty less carries than last right. year. It's like cl- clearly something wasn't right. But I mean, he's now coming off a year where he's had the most carries. I, I think if you are going to use a franchise tag, it, it does in a way make sense to use on a running back because yeah. it's only what I think it's twelve million. So twelve million to get one more year of a running back, seemingly in their prime, because it, it drops off precipitously at thirty. And Saquon Barkley, I uh, just had in front of me, is like 26, 27 this season. So you're really buying for that one more year of a prime. Now, is someone going to go pay him on the open market for those next three years? Probably. If he has another 1,400-yard season, most certainly. But we're looking at another rookie class of running backs that are loaded. Bijan Robinson just put on a show uh, at the Combine last week, and I've already heard evaluators saying he reminds him of Saquon Barkley. So you have a running back who was – being mocked at the end of the first round and now people are saying he probably won't even be there for the Patriots at like 14 he could be a top 10 pick when funny that a week ago conventional wisdom was you don't need to take a running back in the first round probably not even in the top 10 picks yeah and and now suddenly people are going well he could be Saquon Barkley maybe you take him in the top because it's probably been the best running back taken in the first round no I mean he and Zeke but again there were people that were criticizing the Saquon pick before this season that they should have taken a quarterback then. Yep. And same with the Cowboys. I think everyone wanted him to take a cornerback. And that was uh oh, was that uh what's his name with the Rams? Who they got from the Jags. Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey, that was it. And they went with Zeke, I believe, right in front of Ramsey. Yeah, it's like four and five there. Something like that. Yeah, I mean, do you need to take a running back in the top five? No, take him in the top ten. I mean, right, uh, and it I all depends, obviously, also on where you are. You know, rightfully or wrongfully, as you look back at it, you know, Cowboys at that point had, you know, Dez, Tony Romo, Witten's still there, decent defense to Marcus Ware. They believe that they were close to striking distance for a Super Bowl, which makes it, hey, okay, let's take a swing at getting the electric running back. It, it, it's so strange the way it works that, and I think back to this example a couple of years ago where the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, they pick at the end of the first round, obviously, and the best running back in football is on the board uh, in college football is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So at the 32nd pick, they get the top running back. And you're like, wait a minute. You know, the, the one position that this loaded Chiefs offense was somewhat deficient at, and they just get the best running back in the entire draft at 32? You know, it's just how that works. They're they're typically there. And, uh, you know, I mean, the, the Bills got James Cook, and everyone thought, you know, he was going to finally be the answer to their, their running back conundrum. But um, it, it's going to be fun to kind of follow uh, what happens with the B. John Robinson or – uh, the Gibbs kid out of Alabama, uh, you know, do, do teams, you know, try to jump up and, and grab those guys earlier than they than they normally would. And we're going to get more into uh, draft stuff 
as we get closer to that time of the year, which is not that far away. We are relatively in that time of the year. Free agency coming as well. The other big thing to come out of uh, the franchise tag deadline was that the Baltimore Ravens could not come to terms with Lamar Jackson. They put the franchise tag on him, but almost more surprising that not many people saw coming was they put the non-exclusive franchise tag on him. It's kind of, if you're a basketball fan, the equivalent of the restricted free agent. You can go out, you can get an offer, we can match anything. Slight difference in the fact to get at to get at the bargaining table, you have to put up two first-round picks. But, I mean, how many times have we said on this show, franchise quarterbacks never become available? They just stay. But now, you know, two first-round picks, you can negotiate with Lamar, and Baltimore will have the chance to match anything. I'm assuming that Baltimore is playing a little bit of a game of chicken, that they don't think anyone's going to give up two first-round picks and give him the massive deal that he wants. And surprisingly, so far it's coming out that no one seems interested. Of all these teams, Atlanta, Carolina, or at least... Reports coming out. No, they're out. They're not interested, which makes zero sense. Indy, not really interested, which has got all these talking heads talking about collusion and colluding. So I got to say, in reading up on this and, and when you really think about it, I kind of agree with what the Baltimore Ravens have done. Because now they're in a position where they either get, with the non-exclusive tag, they get one more year of Lamar Jackson if he signs his tender and returns for one year to the Baltimore Ravens. Or, if he gets an offer, and the word is, is that he wants $235 million fully guaranteed. He wants... A little more than Deshaun Watson. Rightfully so in his mind, I would say. I'm sure, seeing as though he represents himself. He does not have an agent. His mom. I want to be Googling that right now. Um, If I'm the Ravens, I I kind of agree. And it does seem, before we get into how this relationship has deteriorated, and it does feel a bit contentious right now. um, If I'm the Ravens, yeah, if you think you can go get it, go get it. Go go get that offer. And if you get it, maybe we'll match it. But prove to us that you can go get that offer. Because here's where, as I was thinking about it, and I, I saw the rumors of collusion. I think J.J. Watt alluded to it that, you know, I don't understand why this is happening. Um, I mean, it, it happens a lot where teams kind of say to players, you know, go test the market. We ask, you know, come back to us and we'll talk and we'll see if we can do better than what's out there. If you really want to go see what's on the market. And I think this is that moment where the Ravens have kind of said, okay, go, go find it. And now with the non-exclusive 
franchise tag. They get the right to match. Contractually, they have the right to match. And if they decide that they don't, they now get two number ones. So it has to be a team that has two number ones. They have to be concurrent, so they have to be in, in back-to-back years. So that wipes out like 12 teams in the league because they just don't have it. Um, so you have to look at the teams that, like you said, are looking for a quarterback and are willing to pay not only the price in draft capital with two number ones, which I think there probably be a lot of teams that would say, okay, yeah, let's do it. You know, let, let, let's go in these quarterbacks, like you said, don't hit the market. MVPs are not supposed to be available for six picks, you know, but then you have to have an owner that's going to say, yeah, let's sign me up for 235 fully guaranteed. I think that's the sticking point. I don't necessarily think it is the general manager in Atlanta or Arthur Smith that's saying, nah, we're good. We don't need Lamar Jackson. We, I, I don't think he'd fit in our offense. I think it's Arthur Blank going, I'm not doing what they did in Cleveland. I'm not signing up for that. I think that there is a visceral response to what the Cleveland Browns have done. I think these teams are looking at it going, what What did you do? That that genie's not going back in the bottle. That, was, that fully guaranteed money, you, you have now screwed all of us. And that was what? Three first round picks, a third round pick, and a fourth round pick for Deshaun with the massive contract to boot. Fully guaranteed. Fully guaranteed coming off, you know, 30 sexual assault allegations. (laughs) Which, I mean, even that aside is, is completely irrational, but it's the fully guaranteed money. That's what, you know, as we talk about Daniel Jones, I think it's, what, it's $40 million a season. I think it's like 82 guaranteed was being put out there first. So it, it, it's like half. Maybe 95, I thought I heard today. Something, yeah. It's under 100. So it, it, it's pretty much like the first two years are guaranteed and then something on the back end. But that's what you're seeing. I mean, going back to the Antonio Brown thing, when he went crazy with the Raiders, he was he wanted a new contract. That's why he forced his way out of Pittsburgh. Was yeah, he had a seven year deal that had I think three years left on it, but all the guaranteed money was in the first four years. He had no more guaranteed money coming in, so he was going to have to play for it. Which to any individual seems like a strange notion that you have this contract, but it's only good if you actually play. Well, in our minds, these guys play like every season, you know, and unless. You have back-to-back injury, injury plague years. You know, you look at like Taylor Lewan. You know, they they cut him after what three straight years of injuries where you miss, you know, the bulks of seasons. Um, yeah, they can cut you, but I mean, guys are obsessed with the the guaranteed money, and I think that's where not only is it the guaranteed money, but it's the status that goes along with it. It's Lamar saying, "Look, I'm an MVP." You know, Deshaun Watson hasn't played in two years, and you're they're giving him this. Now that's what I want. It's not, I want the Mahomes contract. Because I think even Lamar Jackson would admit, maybe I'm not Patrick Mahomes. But he can look at Deshaun Watson and go, I damn sure am him. I'm better than he is. I've actually done something in the NFL. I don't have this you know, checkered history off the field. Give me more guaranteed money than he got. And I think that's where he's caught up. And I, I think we're in a pissing contest with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. So is it collusion that the other teams don't want to do it? I don't think they want to do this, the Cleveland deal. And I think it's become philosophical. 
will teams back off of that? I think he's going to have to back off of some of you know what he's looking for. If the Falcons think they can get him for less, I think the Falcons are back in. But uh, I think they're looking at that price tag and they're looking at giving up draft capital to boot and going, yeah, well, yeah. Let, let, let's see what this market goes. And I texted you. We we were talking about it yesterday. I said, yes, Atlanta was the team everyone was throwing out. But I thought, oh, that just seems dumb just because their cupboards are already bare. They're not one player away. Name me the receivers in Atlanta who's not Kyle Pitts at tight end. Can't do it. Well, they don't use him as a receiver anyway. So. Right. Well, it doesn't help that they haven't really had a quarterback that throws it very well. I mean, Matty Ice still could throw it a little bit a couple of seasons ago, but I mean, his rookie Mar- year. Mariota, was, Mariota wasn't horrible. No, he was but, fine. But, but they, they just don't have you know, options around him. But the fact that not, that offense, Arthur Smith, is using Kyle Pitts, who I mean, just two years ago people were saying was the best tight end prospect ever to come out of the draft. It was taking, what, fourth overall. He's just being used as a blocker. Yeah. All right. But and I was texting him like, man, if it's me and I'm playing Madden and this deal's out there, I would go for it if I'm the Detroit Lions. You're on the cusp. You're, you were a last-second Seattle touchdown away from going into the playoffs. You get outpointed on a tiebreaker or whatever. You're right there. And, hey, Jared Goff was very above. He was above average this season. Safe to say. He played well. But he's not Lamar Jackson. You're Detroit. You have this history of incompetence, of never having the guy outside of Barry Sanders, you know, Calvin Johnson had such a bad exit that it's however many years later and he just barely like went back and had his career celebrated a little bit because he had so many bad feelings with the organization. Before that, what are we talking about? Herman Moore? <laughs> I mean, come on. You've got some weapons. I really like Amon Ross St. Brown. Decent defense. You got a few blue chip guys, decent running backs. Why not say, you know what? Screw it. Green Bay might be with Jordan Love at quarterback this year. Everyone else is in flux. The Bears aren't going to be good. The Vikings should be good again, but you've got a good chance. Why not be like, okay, here's two firsts. We've got some room. Let's give Lamar money, and let's go try to make some noise in the playoffs. Hundred percent, you you hit the nail on the head. This is the time. You know, Aaron Rodgers vacates the division. I mean, this will be the first time that the Packers haven't had a future Hall of Famer at quarterback since nineteen ninety two. Whoa, haven't you heard Gunta Guntz talking? <laughs> we got to get this guy on the field. He's ready. You know, and, and, and he looked pretty capable in what the game that he played last year. But, uh, yeah, th- that window in, in the NFC Norris is opening. It, it is open. The, the Bears, like you said, 
probably, you know, they'll, they'll probably improve a little bit. Could be what a five win team. And I think the Vikings are, are just prime for regression. I, I don't know. I just think so. Uh, though they could be solid. So yeah, if that window's opening, we're not just talking for 2023 because the Lions are pretty young team. Dan Campbell, um, yeah. What what would they do? You know, what would what does that offense look like with with some of those young weapons and Lamar Jackson? I, I think that's trying to think of other you know venues that would be you plus. Know, if fun I'm to not have Lamar Jackson in, and if I'm that not mis- might be the best. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't Detroit on his trade list last year? when there were rumblings of what they're going to do when they couldn't come up with a contract last year, I feel like Detroit was on his list of places he would, he would go. Which it looked way more questionable a year ago. You know, you, you looked at going like Detroit, like what? I mean, he just really wants out of Baltimore if that's the case, but th- think of it this way. Take Lamar Jackson away from the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, yeah, they still like you. You pointed out they, they got a Pro Bowler. They they got Pro uh, Bowl backup. Tyler Huntley, Pro Bowl backup. They can just go with him. Uh, I think you called it a classic, you know, Brady Bledsoe situation there, where uh, he steps aside and and we really see you know Tyler Huntley come to life. But I mean, what is that team? You talk about weapons and, and what is going to lure him because, and I think it's been talked about a little bit more with Aaron Rodgers that you know does he want to go to a team that's going to have to give up. You know, a lot of draft capital to bring him in. You know, and then what kind of roster is he left with? Like, what kind of roster is Lamar Jackson leaving? I mean, God, besides that kind of two-year spurt with Hollywood Brown, I mean, if it's not Mark Andrews, who the hell is he throwing to? His it's Mark backs, Andrews. Four, four running backs get hurt before week one every single year. They draft a couple wide receivers. You know, Rashad Bateman looks like he has some talent. He usually gets hurt about week two. Um, they just – like the Patriots can't draft receivers. The Baltimore Ravens can't either. They can just never find those those pieces. It's it's Mark Andrews or Bust in that offense. Yeah, I mean, most of uh, the success they've had receiver-wise has been trade. You know, brought in Anquan Bolden. He had a nice little run there in Baltimore. Anquan Bolden, Steve Smith. But, I mean, you're, you're going back, you know – 12, 14 years now. Yeah, it, it just hasn't been. Hollywood crazy. was all right. It was okay. He, he was kind of a home runner bust guy. I mean, if he didn't catch, you know, two long ones from Lamar, then I, I had him in fantasy a couple of years. I was like. He's the Schwarber the of the NFL. Oh, he, he was the guy who, if you benched him, he was going to catch two 70-yard touchdowns. If you start him four weeks in a row, he'd have like one catch, 11 yards, four drops maddening he's just he's not that big i think that's part of it we saw it goes out to arizona he wasn't healthy again but you know just not a lot he could could do out there either but that seems to be kind of what happens in baltimore i, I was surprised when they traded him just because it's like what, what do you what else do you have there but uh just not a strong suit tyler huntley the the the, the post aussie newsome baltimore ravens uh that's how you know there's something broken and they need to figure it out when Tyler Huntley gets the the notch for being selected to the Pro Bowl on, you know, pro football reference for his four starts, two touchdowns, and three picks. They just had to know at that point that, I mean, and I'm not saying he was, was good. I mean, the Patriot offense was atrocious. But, like, Mac Jones played 
14 games this year. And, you know, he threw barely more touchdowns and picks or, I mean, it was, it was close. It was not that good, but it's like, isn't that a, I mean, Tyler Huntley played four games. Like what, what are we doing? Two touchdowns, um, three picks. <laughs> I think they're just looking at it going like, okay, we, we can't talk about how horrible the Patriot offense is all season. They go, yeah, but, but Mac Jones is a pro bowler. I think they just, <laughs> ASN is like, yeah, please, please do not look at the counting stats of, of Tyler Huntley. But Tom is, is Aaron Rodgers really going to go to the Jets? Uh, it was said. To, it was said today uh, that it's essentially Jets are bust. That it, it is a. I believe the the term was it is a one horse race for Aaron Rodgers. And now he said a week ago the answer is within him, and he found it in the cabinet under the stairs at Privet Drive. Well, but, and he knows he knows what the answer is, but he's not ready to say it yet. The Packers have moved on; they're in love and love, brother love. I'm going to go with brother love. I like that one. I think that fits the best. So we're going to go with they 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 are they love brother love. So it's either, and I still think the Raiders are a dark horse here to to bring him in, but. <sighs> Are the Jets going to do it? I mean, because the Packers are going to have to eat some of this money. They're ready to walk away. But he's due like $60 million this season. So even if the Packers eat 20 some team's got to pony up $40 million for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I mean, quickly, before I go on this rant, I just wanted to say the last point on the Tyler Huntley Pro Bowl, Cooper Rush, <laughs> five starts. Five touchdowns, three picks, four and one in those five starts. Should have been Cooper Rush. And and he was great doing the egg on the spoon relay race. He really could have helped. I mean, different conference, but uh, you know, he, he's also a, a tremendous water balloon catcher. So he really could have brought a lot to the uh, the squad. But as for Aaron Rodgers, right there with Cooper Rush, uh, I would assume so. I think and it's weird. I feel like we talked about it last week, how much everything happening with Rodgers is like spookily mirroring what happened with Brett Favre. And now literally a week later, it looks like it's going to be the Jets, which by that logic, if you're the Jets, you should be worried because Brett Favre was horrendous for the Jets in his one year and got into a little scandal sending a reporter nudes allegedly. I feel like you have to say allegedly with anything related to Brett Favre. Yeah, we, we don't want this podcast getting sued. Uh, tens of dollars they would take away. Uh, <laughs> take my blue Yeti right out of my, my fingers. Uh, but it it's so weird that it's continuing to morph and just mirror itself even more. But clearly, I mean, what? At the beginning of last year, Gunta Goons was like, Aaron's our guy. He's got to be with us. Like middle of the season, hey, we like how Jordan Love's coming along, but still love Aaron. To now, Gunta Goons is, we got to get this guy on the field. He's ready. So clearly, Gunta Goons is ready to move on. And I feel like over the years, he's been 
perhaps the most disliked GM from his own fan base, mainly off of the Jordan Love pick. They had the pitchforks out when he traded up to get a backup quarterback when they hadn't traded or when they hadn't drafted an offensive weapon in the first round in however many years. I think since like Javon Walker. And and they don't sign free agents. I mean, that goes back to the Ron Wolf era. That like well, they, they just, do, but they're all like over thirty five and played for the Packers ten years earlier. Well, that's it. Like if you, if you look at it, like they never. I think like Julius Peppers is the only. There's some categorization people use to to illustrate this point, but yeah, they they are a team that doesn't typically spend a lot in free agency on individual players. They always kind of fill out the roster, and then they, they just do what they do based off the draft, which is even more impressive really when when you think about it but uh i, I, I don't know I, I mean a year ago a year ago i wasn't sure what he was going to do but i was still surprised when he ended up re-signing with the packers because i'd finally kind of said you know what maybe I, it, this seems like a guy who's about to leave the team i thought he was going to retire a year ago and i think he made the decision to return i think it was during brady's retirement for some reason i feel like that's important here that brady was retired at that point came out of retirement now is retired again because i always think of this in terms of like the hall of fame brady's a first ballot guy so he's gonna go in the same year he's eligible with jj watt they'll be in the same class something about it makes me think that like aaron Rodgers won't want to be in that class as much as he's kind of yeah i mean whatever it doesn't you know it's not my hall of fame that it would still matter he would kind of want to have his own moment a year after Brady and Watt plus but remember right before he signed his big contract and it was even more of a kerfuffle kind of in the off season when it was real like oh Aaron Rodgers is pissed off and there's real issues between him and Gunta Goons in the organization they don't care for Rodgers hates Gunta Goons and so on and so forth and he mentioned in one of those interviews how he's never got to really be courted at all. He's always just been in the one place and never, ever hit free agency his whole career. This is his, pretty much his first chance and will be his only chance. I, th- I think he was he's excited to be sh- you know schmoozed a little bit, to have the owner... And the head coach and his old buddy, Nat Hackett, flying into L.A. to meet him and, you know, be teased a little bit. Be wine and dined. I think he likes the idea of it. And sometimes after a, what, almost two decades, what, with the same team, maybe he just, hey, New York could be fun for a season. It's such a weird marriage. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, who, I mean, he's got kind of a weird relationship with the media and I think celebrity in general. Yet, you know, he's a California guy. He obviously in the offseason lives in California. But he's played in Green Bay for, like you said, since 2005. I think he's like a minority owner of the Bucks. I mean, it's. I think what I see the other day that you know the 
the population is like under a hundred thousand in, in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I've been there. It, it is a wonderful town and I would call it a town. I mean, it, it is not yeah, this, this sprawling metropolis. It, it feels like it's out of, you know, the 1950s. It, it's quaint is, is a great word. It, it's a great town. I've enjoyed visiting it a couple of times. Um, obviously Lambeau is great, but yeah, going to, you know, the number one media market in the world, it's, it's going to be radically different. I mean, in a way it's, you know, it's Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay from new England, small town going to a a different atmosphere. And and maybe that is what he wants, but I know I have a really hard time seeing it. I, I can see retirement as clearly as I can seeing him wearing a different hue of green in New Jersey. God. But retirement makes no sense because then he's leaving $60 million on the table and going into the Hall of Fame the same year as as Brady and Watt. And I don't see that happening either. But how fun would it be seeing just the glaring looks that Aaron Rodgers sends to Zach Wilson <laughs> as his backup? <laughs> well, and I've, and there's been a million articles. I've already heard interviews of people saying, you know, Aaron Rodgers was Zach Wilson's favorite player growing up. Like that's his his favorite. Do you think? Do Do you get mentor vibes from Aaron Rodgers that he's going to go there and he's going to take little Zach under his wing and you know really just you know show him the ropes and and how to settle down and and be a professional? Because I don't at all. If there was a quote to attach to it, it'd be like Ryan Tannehill a year ago, and they asked him if he was going to mentor Malik Willis. He's like, that's not my job. I feel like that is is what we would get out of an Aaron Rodgers Zach Wilson marriage there. That well, that and Zach in the, Wilson. In the end, you're you're delaying the inevitable. I think Rodgers would play a season, retire a year from now, and then the Jets are going to go. Well, we have Zach Wilson on year four of his rookie deal. We have to decide whether or not we're going to pick up that option. Short answers: No. Do we try to trade him or drop him now? Do we have to get another quarterback a year from now? And oh, by the way you're you're probably in salary cap hell because you just had to invest at least 40 if not 50 and possibly 60 million dollars for one season of Aaron Rodgers yeah the mentor thing is dumb just because Zach Wilson has already been a starter for a while it's like if you were dating a girl and she dumps you and goes out with like your older brother like well you know he's my big bro I look up to him I couldn't get the job done. He's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna help me finish. But 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 then after uh, after they have their their fling, uh, I might take her back. Uh, we'll see. I mean, might, obviously, she might take him back. Yeah, I think I would guess at this point. Obviously, I think it's probably Jets or retirement are the leaders in the clubhouse. I think Green Bay is just, they're ready to turn it over to Jordan Love, and that's going to be thats going to be a real interesting season for Green Bay. It, and Jordan Love, I don't know if he can handle the pressure of following Rodgers like Rodgers could handle the pressure of following Favre. Like Rodgers has this innate, like, no fucks given about him. You know, he doesn't care. 
what people think at all. And obviously, he was incredibly skilled and lit it up right from the shoot. I don't know if Jordan Love can do that. And Jordan Love is taking over a team with a lot less weapons than the Green Bay team that Aaron Rodgers took over. But I think for most Green Bay fans, they're not going to rationalize that in their head and say, well, he's got a lot less weapons. They're going to say, this guy is no freaking Rodgers. This is the guy we traded up for in the first round to sit when we could have got a weapon and made Aaron Rodgers happy. The, the blessing and the curse is that it's only a one-year trial. Is that really, for, you know, for better or for worse, it's either one year and then you hope to extend him, or it's one year and you go, well, that didn't work, and then you finally have your answer, you move on, and you, you go into the, you know, having a, a post-legend quarterback purgatory of, well, now we got to try to find the other guy, and we go sign our Cam Newton. Yeah, I mean, if it goes poorly, you could see, I could easily see Green Bay picking top 10, close to top 5 next year. Which is almost worse because then you can't get Caleb Williams a year from now, which could be you know the answer to a lot of teams' prayers. And uh, I'm interested to see if there's teams that kind of start for lack of a better term, tanking this year or kind of punting on this year's draft and trading up for more capital a year from now. I mean, we saw it this year. I mean, no one thought that the Denver Bronco pick was going to be this high. No one thought that you know, the Rams pick was going to be this high. Uh, you know, and, and here we are. Or, so is someone going to trade their first-round pick for another team just hoping for another you know crack at getting a top five next year or a top three next year and trying to get one of those elite quarterbacks? And, um it's going to be one of these teams that are going to kind of make that run. You know, is it going to be Atlanta where they say, all right, you know what? We're going to you go with Desmond Ritter, see what we got. I mean, they took him relatively high last year. And, oh, if it doesn't work out, then maybe we get Caleb Williams a year from now, you know, rather than go all in and, and trade two first for uh, Lamar Jackson. Now they try to go for kind of the next model, Lamar Jackson and Caleb Williams. Uh, or is it a team like the Raiders who – I mean, the, the Raiders have some talent. They have some pieces, but like, it seems like they should be in on Lamar. It seems like they should be in on Aaron Rodgers, and we haven't heard much. They're the lost car, they have Stidham. You know, could they trade up? I, I'm thinking they have to do something. Is it trade up in the draft to try to get one of the top three this year, or do they punt on it, try to get capital, and is Josh McDaniels trying to find his, his signal caller a year from now? I don't know. They're, to me – the the dark horse they're, they're the wild card that they need a quarterback and i don't know where they find it from but uh they're so gonna say, do something this year or next let's say lamar and aaron Rodgers are both going to be super expensive whoever trades for lamar has to give him a contract rogers has got an expensive few years left on his let's just take that out so if the price for lamar outside of that is two firsts what is the price for, what is it, 38, 39-year-old Rodgers? Contemplating retirement already? Well, and I think that becomes the difference is that at least with Lamar, and yeah, you're paying for it, but at least you have an answer for your quarterback position for seven, eight, however many years you lock him up for. But he's still a quarterback in his 20s. 
Rodgers, yeah, I mean, this could be a one-year rental. So how much are you giving up for that one year? And I think that's why we haven't seen more. I mean, a year for, a year ago, people had Rodgers going to the Niners. They had him going to the Raiders. They had him going to the Broncos. They had him, you know, I mean, he, he was rumored to several different teams. And then we see a drop in his play this year. This was, there was a precipitous drop in, in the performance of Aaron Rodgers. And I think some of the weapons, which people thought were, were paltry to start the year, you performed a little bit better. Christian Watson looked like a weapon. You know, Alan Lazard, um, let's say established himself as number one, but I mean, proved to be a, a pretty solid receiver. Uh, Robert Tanyan was healthy for most of the year, which has been sort of a difference. And he's been kind of a security blanket for Rodgers over the years. The running game is there. They just, I, I think, chose not to employ it as much. They had issues on the offensive line for the most part, but it wasn't Rodgers' best performance. And now you're looking at that price tag. I think the combination of that and the uncertainty of, of the duration of how much longer he wants to play, yeah, I think it's scaring teams off um, to do it. It's a tough pill to swallow, but at the same time, you're solving a quarterback problem you hope for you know, the next three quarters of a decade. With Aaron Rodgers, you might be sending good money after bad and blowing up <laughs> huge chunks of your team because you're going to be sacrificing cap space not really just this year, but that, you know, dead cap the year after it, it's, and then if you decide that he wants to play another year, you really can't plan your franchise because you're going to be looking at it going, okay, uh, does Aaron want to come back again? How's he feeling today? Is he going to go on another wilderness darkness retreat and then come back and say, yeah, I want to play and I'm going to need $59 million. It's far on his tractor. Yeah, come exactly. On. It's out. It's He's been uncanny. With the high school kids out at the ball field. It is uncanny, the mirroring. So it's, what, Jets for this one year, retirement, come out, go to the Raiders, have one really good year, almost make it to the Super Bowl, come back, injury-plagued, a little bit rougher last final year, and then it's done. Okay, so let's say by by that that Rodgers spends – the end of his career with the Raiders. You said the Raiders. Uh, what coach or what team is most likely to put a bounty on Aaron Rodgers? In the AFC, not the NFC, because, I mean, come on, be the Packers. Quay Walker would already have knocked him out of the game. Yeah. Uh, in the AFC, hmm. No, that's NFC. I don't know. I think he could go. He could go pretty anonymous. Maybe. You think there's an anonymous maybe Bosa. Maybe Bosa with the with the Chargers. I think if it's a team, and, and this is going to show a little bit my AFC East bias is. Couldn't you see the Dolphins being wrapped up in something like that? Not necessarily like Mike McDaniel, but I mean the whole Stephen Ross thing, and the you know I mean, th- th- there's a reason that there's only 31 picks in the first round this year. It's because Stephen Ross, you know, is tampering when before tampering is legal. Which, by the way, tampering legal next Monday at noon. Uh, I don't know. I could see the Dolphins. I, I just something about it just just screams that the Dolphins would put a bounty out on on Aaron Rodgers. There's another interesting one. The Dolphins. It's a, I mean, they've been talking about it all. I mean, we we know nothing. Are we about just Tua. saying okay, Tua? Let's hope he doesn't I, I, get four concussions next year. 
as last I knew, he's still on a bus watching McGruber, and they're counting on him to be their quarterback. I have not heard anything about the Dolphins. I think because if they don't have a first-round pick this year because they lost it because Stephen Ross tampered illegally. Uh, so they don't have a one, so they can't get Lamar. And yeah, I mean, they haven't been tied with Rodgers at all, so uh, I don't know. That that's a weird one. And and with the Tyreek Hill contract, they really don't have a lot of a lot of free money lying around to go. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, we'll give you fifty. They would need the Packers to pick up a big chunk of that. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting stuff. All right, Pearl. it is. It, it's it, it's going to be a lot of fun heading into you know the the start of the new league year is the fifteenth, but legal tampering. Uh, starts on Monday at noon. That is where you hear headlines such as Jonathan Jones intends to sign with, because they technically can't do it, but they can start talking. My favorite moment is legal tampering will start at 12 noon East Coast time. And at 12.01, there will be an announced deal. Like, are we to believe that? I, I think Trent Brown, when he, uh, after Super Bowl 53, when he signed with the Raiders and he signed that record deal, he signed at like, or, or the announcement that he intended to sign with the Raiders was announced at 12.01. I was like, wait, you can't even make the phone call or the text to his agent to say, six years, 90. And they're like, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Rappaport already had it out there. It's like, I don't know. It, it's become one of my favorite like two days of the year because you just check your phone every two seconds and there's another just wild signing. Yeah. They're all preloaded tweets. That are already in Adam Schefter's phone, which I enjoy watching like on ESPN and you read an article and he has to somehow get credit for most everything. Like, oh, so-and-so told blank and Adam Schefter (laughs) that this was happening, but it was the first guy that put the tweet out and everything. But hey, Adam Schefter knew too. He didn't tweet it, but he knew too. My favorite is like they'll have NFL Live will be on on ESPN for I don't know, two or three hours or they'll have the, the legal tampering period special show and Schefter will be like at the desk and he'll be constantly like putting his hand over the microphone as he's like taking phone calls and everyone on the sets kind of like half talking, but really they're looking at Schefter going anything Did what did Rogers did, did he, was he traded? And like the whole show kind of like comes to a stop while he just goes like, ah, yeah, that was a general manager. Uh, talk about the number one pick and then they take a commercial remember it was a few years ago where they had the like moment on espn where they were going off air and somehow it came out where they actually hadn't gone off and Schefter's like hey make sure this is going to happen make sure you say on air that i broke it or something like that and hasselbeck is there and hasselbeck's like fucking really dude really he uh Schefter was on uh pardon my take last week and he showed one of the hosts uh, a text that said that uh Lamar to the Redskins uh to to Washington was picking up steam it was probably going to happen in the next 24 to 48 hours and of course the host is a Washington fan and he was as much as he wanted to believe it he was also skeptical that Schefter was pulling a prank on him and ultimately he was but he he went to the steps to uh to really put it over on him. It was, it was, it was pretty good. Cause it was Schefter really like abusing his power to say like, yeah, this is really happening. And the, the, the guy's like, there's no way that Lamar Jackson's going to be in Washington. He wanted to believe it so badly, but he's like, is, 
it's Adam Schefter. Like, is he really lying to me right now? Yeah, who was he? He was. Yeah, he pulled a prank on like Mina Kimes, like last off season with the Seahawks before jokester. Russell. He's like, yeah, I don't care about the <laughs> millions I have that are instantly getting my tweets. I'll I'll put something fake out there for for sure. funsies. Yeah, and then if it happens, and you know you you're back into one, I will let the general manager of the Commanders edit my story about them. No biggie. Sure, why not? All right, uh, have a little fun. Do something a little different here to end the show. Pearl, what you got for us? So you and I have been talking uh, about it. Uh, we're in WrestleMania season. It's coming right up uh, just under a month from now. Talking about the, the Roman Reigns bloodline angle uh, storyline that's been going on now for, God, what is it? Is it two Nine years Nine months? Now? Well, I mean, heavy I mean, Nine, I'm going months. back to, I mean, what, what was the, when he fought, was it Hell in a Cell? Yeah, wrestled Jay? Jay. Yeah, that was probably about two years ago. Yeah, so so we're at, like, the, the two-year mark of the story just kind of keeps getting better. So we were talking about, like, the, the sort of lo- best long-term storytelling in WWE. Like, what is this the best storyline since? And maybe not rivalry. I came up with probably an incomplete list of what I thought of kind of the best stuff. Yeah, you know, really the the Vince McMahon era. Um, so we'll, let's go through and we'll kind of compare, you know, br- briefly to, to each and see how far back we go till we hit one. And then we go, okay, that one was probably better than than what's going on today. Um, first one, the Authority and Daniel Bryan. You taking the Bloodline or are you taking the Authority? The bloodline, but that one was very good. That's was a very good, good honorable, honorable mention because it was very I, organic I think, in its in its creation, and you could right. kind of feel like, "Ooh, we really don't want it to happen in reality." <laughs> but got to credit the people they cha- what they, they want. changed course. Remember, it was supposed to be what Randy Orton, Batista, in the main event of WrestleMania. The fans were like, "We God, we really don't want that." Um, but th- that's kind of how the bloodlines felt with Sami Zayn. You know, it sort of felt like uh, there was almost a yes movement, at least in Montreal, for you know, a week. Uh, okay, so yeah, so we'll go past that. Before that, I had the Summer of Punk or the Pipe Bomb, you know, promo where his contract was running out. Again, it, that one didn't have a lot of longevity because right. it was, was kind of like a few again, months. The summer when he came and back, it wasn't, it wasn't as good, and it was kind of like Punk and Triple H and. The yeah. weird it, it didn't Kevin really Na- it, it was really the weird one the month promo. Kevin Nash thing. <laughs> well, it, it was the it was the one promo and then the match in Chicago. Yeah, where he, he won and then exited through the crowd. It, 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 yeah, it's great match, great moment, but like you're right, it, it's a little too short. Uh this one I, I put Cena and Edge. It's good feud. Kind yeah. of timeless, some good moments, right? But I did. I never thought the, the storytelling isn't near what the bloodline's been. No. Um. This one, this one's a contender. Uh, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, the the two matches and back to back WrestleMania is what twenty five and twenty six. That's interesting Cr- because while it was over, you know, two years, it was really though only. Like combined, maybe three builds. months. 
Yeah. Three months yeah, of it was like the It was the build to two WrestleManias. It was a continuation of a story, but it really... Um, it was and just I agree. And, and, and that sort of goes with the next one, too. Uh, the Rock and John Cena. You know, they announced the Mania match a year ahead of time. They don't do much with it until they get right up you know, to the event. They have the match. You know, once in a lifetime until they did it again the next year. Mm-hmm. And even then... Interest, interesting storytelling, but there wasn't a lot lot to it yeah there was not actually that much meat on the bone it was a lot of you know rock shtick and fruity pebbles and nasally voice the weird nasally voice thing he does when he's trying to be like a white guy <laughs> uh speaking of rock shtick uh this one again not so much a story but it kind of an ongoing saga uh, the rock versus Austin. I mean, it's one where they feuded for the IC bell and then really it was every other WrestleMania. They main evented three times, which I mean, is in and of itself is, is impressive. It's a, it, it's a great feud. I don't know. Right. But it's, I mean, it was off moments. And, on. and a lot yeah. of that. And obviously you're going to, you're going to get to the one that's probably the only one that competes. And a lot of those two are intertwined. Sure. You know, Rock was in the corporation with Vince, and it's very intertwined. I would almost put some of those together to create a point. Well, and that's the next one I had was the the corporation and the ministry, which at the time was was great. I mean, the payoff was terrible. The whole it was me, Austin. Um, this one, I think, is probably the answer. I think the bloodline is the best feud since uh, Austin versus McMahon, which right. long-term, it was kind of right, that, overarching. When you look at it, it makes like a tree where it's Rock Austin, and that includes you know corporations. It includes DX in there. Sure. All of that. And the under, by the way, the Undertaker, I didn't, the, the I didn't think night. of it when you texted me yesterday. But another, you know, honorable mention is Kane and Undertaker. Because that was, yeah. you know, multiple years and Kane would disappear and True. then he'd come back and it'd kind of continue. Well, and there's the backstory where, you know, you really believe that, okay, like, yeah, I, actually, yeah, it's probably one of those two. That That's a good one because of the backstory, the whole Paul Bearer, you know, there's times it goes a little weird. Right. But that and arguably a lot, it, a lot of it was legitimately them just saying like, okay, here is what the story is rather than kind right. of it playing out in front of you. But it, it was a good build. Yeah. Lot, arguably maybe the most longevity. I mean, obviously it morphed and it became kind of a, a shell of itself later on when they were just, you know, brothers of destruction and, and those things. But had a really good run where they were just evil and inferno matches and buried alive and setting caskets on fire. That was, so we'll go. That's a good so, run. So I think so I think we'll go. It's the best storyline since Austin McMahon slash Undertaker Kane, and I'll probably lean a little more like Austin McMahon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the others that made the list before that, and, and I think actually the bloodline most closely resembles this one is uh, Bret Hart and Owen Hart, the family feud, because that's one that seeds were planted for a long time. 
You finally had Owen, you know, kick Brett's leg out uh, at the Royal Rumble. And then they have the, the classic WrestleMania match. Brett then wins the title. So Owen is still, you know, in the shadows. And then, you know, they feud through the summer, have the cage match at SummerSlam. Um, but it, it seemed like it went on for, you know, another year after that and then continued to sort of evolve. The, the family members involved. Uh, yeah, it, it was just one that I think was, was really well done for uh, a long time. Uh, before that, I don't know if I missed any, but uh, the Mega Powers, Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage. I mean, that was... The, the first one that kind of came to my mind in terms of this is that if that to me is still sort of the gold standard because they did it for a year. I mean, they, they built for so long to get to Hogan versus Savage by having them be, you know, best friends and tag team partners for a year. And they just planted little seeds along the way. I, wa- I saw something recently, which despite my getting older, I've grown to enjoy like reels, little like 60 second videos on stuff. This is like the second time you've mentioned TikTok tonight. I'm starting to get scared. Well, actually, I I don't even have TikTok, but you know, Facebook has them and YouTube. And one popped up and it's like, and it's the the header was like, how high are these guys? And it was (laughs) Hulk Hogan and Macho and Hogan's like going off and like, there's other galaxies and. And he's like, like, they are high out of their minds right now. <laughs> I don't know what is happening. And Mean Gene's like, are you saying there's there's other galaxies, Hulk? Macho? And oh, yeah. Uh, I saw a meme the other day, and it was like screen grabs of Flair. And he's got like, you know, the veins in his neck. And he's cutting a promo. He's, you know, one of the ones where he's screaming into the lens. It's again, it's Hulk Hogan with Mean Gene. And again, he's screaming. It's Randy Savage. It's Roddy Piper. I mean, it, it's literally all of those. It's the Ultimate Warrior. It's all of those promos from that era, and it says you can hear this meme, and it's really freaking loud. <laughs> every one of them, I go, yeah, every one of those yeah. guys is is screaming into it right now. Oh, another honorable mention would have been the Becky Lynch run with the giant build up. Gets <sighs> the, her nose, man. yeah, gets yeah. her nose broken by like Nia Jax on the invasion doesn't get the title match she was supposed to have because her nose was broken, culminates with her winning at WrestleMania. Well, and that's what, with some of the, and some of the ones I sort of overlooked, I was like, yeah, I mean, because, it, and a lot of them, it's not, you know, Becky Lynch, what got hurt after she won the two belts, she got hurt, and that sort of, she came back, and, and it was never the same. I mean, you have like that moment. The other one I almost put on was uh, Kofi Kingston winning the title because that to me was, was very much... Yeah, everyone got behind him. It was very Daniel Bryan. You know, we're good for one of those every few years. Um, but, I mean, even the Daniel Bryan thing. I mean, he had, I think he had one main event after Mania where he wrestled Kane, and then he got hurt. And may have even got hurt yeah. in that match and then was out for months. And that was kind of the the end of the yes movement. So some of these, it, it is unfortunate that it gets cut off that quickly. And it's usually not the company's doing. It's usually... You know, fate sort of steps in, but uh, for that, Kofi, that's been who they had him get I mean, absolutely that, that, squashed. That's why the bloodline angle has been so impressive. Is just the longevity of it. I mean, we've been almost two years. Roman's been champion for over nine hundred days. It's it's gone on, and now it, it's funny how like I almost have mixed feelings of like, I mean, I want Cody to win the belt at Mania, but at the same time, I'm like, I, I don't necessarily want this story to end. And if Roman loses the belt, like it will be different. You know, if the mm-hmm. Usos lose, it'll be different. It's I don't know. I think I don't know. I think it's going to be very interesting. I find it hard to believe 
that they're going to botch the finish sure. by the finish line of, you know, the year. And I think, I mean, everything has been so well done. And even, I think Austin McMahon was obviously bigger, but I don't think even that had the intricate story no. that this has been. And a lot of, this, the, you go back and you watch Attitude Era stuff and it's you're like, oh, this was not. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of holes. There's yeah, a this lot was of holes not that stuff. the uh, award winning stuff that I remember as a child. But no, this has been, this has been really good. I'm looking forward to seeing its conclusion. Yeah. No, just the stuff they're doing on a weekly basis right now has, has been, uh, it's been an all-timer, and interested to see. Hopefully, hope it doesn't wrap up, but hopefully, we just get another another twist in it uh, at WrestleMania next month. That about wraps things up for today's show. Make sure you uh, check out the Facebook page, Uncommon Media VT. Sterling's uh, blogs go up there; they're awesome. I, we got a couple this past week. With uh, free agency stuff for the Patriots, who's leaving, what to look forward to, stuff like that. Draft stuff's coming, I'm sure. And we're going to try to get those out and get them pumping. So make sure to check those out. You can send us an email, uncommonmediavt at gmail.com. Like I said, we'll be back next week. We'll see what we're talking about. New league year. It'll, it'll yeah. be new league years. New new league years day. We'll we'll be recording. Uh, you know, what will the world look like? You know, l- l- let's give it the uh, the Batman conclusion. Will Aaron Rodgers be a quarterback of the New York Jets? Will the Patriots spend in free agency? Who's going to quarterback the Raiders? All that and more on the next episode of the New Sports Order Podcast.